1: Hello, hello and welcome. Or should I say welcome back to the Independent Football Podcast. It is Wednesday the 15th of May. Uh, I am your interim host, Jack Pitbrook. I'm joined today by three colleagues. On my left, Jonathan Lou. Hello. Right in front of me, Miguel Delaney. Hello. And on my right... On the Ed, far right. and the far... Yeah, where he feels most at home, Ed Mallion. <laughs>
2: hello, hello. hello. How are you? I am... Um, I'm very good, thank you.
1: Now, this is a really big day for you, isn't it? Do you want to yes, tell us why?
2: The, it's my uh, try-ultimate day. At the Independent, and uh, that's my—that's not a word. It's not. I, I've improvised it. Yeah, yes, it's the an- anti-
3: penultimate.
2: Anti- penultimate. My anti- penultimate day at the Independent, and my uh, final podcast appearance, having appeared in in both the first and last. I mean, this won't be the last. I mean, it's going to continue, obviously, well beyond this one. But but right now, I've appeared in the, the first and last, and not many people can say that. End of an era in many ways. Yeah, well, you know, amazing. End, end of the the first because you are the uh, first phase. Uh, yeah, I'm moving speak, to speaking of the far right. Yeah, I'm moving to America, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm moving to America because it's uh, a more sane political discourse than Britain. Um, no, I'm, I'm moving to America for a variety of reasons, but I've got uh, a new job there, and my other half is from there anyway, so we're always going to move back there at some point, and uh, now's the time because we've got a couple of months free in the summer, so we'll roll over, um, but uh, I think everyone knows already that it's been a, a great time here, and uh it's pretty much unrecognisable from when I came in, which is which is always good, um, and I think everyone's had a good time, so I, I've really enjoyed it. Do you think you're the kind of like Mark
1: Hughes, Roberto Mancini, <laughs> the, <laughs> interpe- dare you. the, the, the <laughs> independent, the independent, the independent sports desk? <laughs> <us>. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, someone, yeah. someone at the start had to make the changes and bring in the team, and then, then eventually he gets the boot, and they I get in Manuel Pellegrini. So, like, you
2: could say, you could say, you could say it's like a Mancini or or a Pellegrini, where like you know, we want we want a title, or whatever, but like, you know, someone could come in and really take this to dominance. Um, but equally. You know, it, this could be about to go really downhill, um, you know, especially if Miguel doesn't buck his ideas up. It so the p- there's all sorts of uh, concerns that this might be, like maybe I'm Claudio. I was going to say you're in the Shankly. Maybe I'm, I'm Claudio really R- Ranieri. No, no, I'm not going to go that way, well, man. <laughs> and, and, and maybe... You're know uh, the Brenton Rogers, I'll be succeeded and uh, by we're Craig waiting for Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> I mean, the thing about Brendan, <laughs> the thing about Brendan is um, he... Then went on to great success, you know, in a in a more significantly okay. in Scotland, it's more a smaller market really, yeah, smaller market. <laughs> okay, so uh, is that your Brendan impression? Yeah, well, you just <laughs> said okay, okay. I <laughs> okay. well,
1: maybe uh, you're the AVB, and we're waiting for a Pochettino.
2: Well, I mean, everyone's waiting for a Pochettino. <laughs> I'd be delighted if you guys got a Pochettino because uh, something you've
4: got share was still to come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, there's a lot. There's a six lot of uh, six glorious <laughs> You
2: know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good guys here, even beyond the guys in this room. We've got uh, people who've been on the podcast, like Luke and and yeah. Lawrence and Sam and stuff. Who are all very talented, younger guys. Benjamin. who are going to go on to great things. So um, I think everyone's going to have a, a terrific time, even though I'm not here. Um, and well, basically, going forward, I think you just got to have a podcast with, with less interruptions, basically.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we that was going to be our final segment, but we got it out of the way. So now let's focus on uh, looking back on the Premier League season, which, as you all know, finished on Sunday afternoon. Um, what
2: happened? What
1: happened? What happened on Sunday, yeah. Uh, Manchester City beat Brighton Hove Albion 4-1, yeah. uh, Liverpool beat Wolves 2-0, and City were Crown champions, the fourth time in the Premier League. Uh, Sixth and all, w- putting them level Sunderland and Chelsea. Yeah, We'd, yeah. we don't want to get... We're not going to dig too much into details today, but we're going to have a little bit of a look back.
2: What do you think about Brighton's tactical setup on uh, Sunday? Uh, Can't be asked. It's the big story. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were... I, they, no, were I mean, jo- they weren't one of up. Yeah, like, how on earth did you well, folks on there?
4: It was me and Jack that were there, actually. Um, I mean, the thing about the, thing about the final day, actually, it's always... Because the result is so important just to get it done. Yeah. All, all the detail actually doesn't matter, so it's about the emotion. We just, and it was, I mean, Johnny, you, you're the only one at Anfield out of the four of us. But there was that, I mean, there was extreme tension for about, like it was a really good final day for about 20 yeah. minutes. But what, what was it like at Anfield in that sense? Yeah,
3: very, uh, very strange. I mean, for that those 20 minutes where Liverpool were you know, champions elect, as it were, as it stands, champions, mm. uh, there was this incredibly euphoric, Feel around Anfield, to which the game itself had kind of taken a back seat. Uh, I mean, even even when City equalised, there was still kind of uh, uh, quite a bit of hope in the stadium. And then once it went two-one, and the Wolves fans started celebrating and and taunting everything, uh, then like the atmosphere just completely flat, gone. Everybody, I think, sort of knew that Brighton wasn't going to be their friends that day.
1: Yeah, and um, I I mean, the the City game was strange because City were terrible for about half an hour. I until the Aguero like goal, but then I, I kind of think the conceding was probably the best thing that could yeah. happen to City. Yeah, because once that happened, uh, they woke up, realized what a mess they were in. Yeah, and then as soon as the, after the report had, it, it was basically game over. Yeah, and this, the second half was very. That, that, that was a classic was case smooth. of
4: the worst thing the opposition could do was score. Yeah,
1: because it actually made City play. I think if it had stayed nil-nil and City yeah. playing badly, it would have been much more comfortable. Yeah, uh, rather than having to go through that painful experience of, uh, of going one-nil behind. Um, the but problem, uh,
2: sorry, I was just like the problem for Liverpool. Obviously, was Liverpool were playing an ambitious sort of side, and, but Brighton just had not. As soon as Brighton went behind, you didn't think they were going to score a goal, right? Like you know, you, thought, you felt like Liverpool were cooked.
1: Yeah, well, there was no prospect of Brighton scoring a second goal after that first yeah. one.
2: And um, we, we should mention that hutton has gone, right? Yeah, no, I passing.
1: guess. What do we, I mean, we, you know, you, you know the story.
4: What do you think about it? Fair or not fair? Uh, I thought it was coming for a while. Um, two wins, 19. I mean, I think one thing that seems to be overlooked in this is that, and this, this is a pattern of Hutton's career, a, a good man and a good manager to a certain level. But ultimately, the story I'd heard from as long ago as April, from people high up in the club, was basically that Huyton's approach well, uh, all he does basically is basically con- concentrate on defensive discipline yeah, and while that is good to a certain level and kind of g- and you know initially make the team team steady it, 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 it from what I heard it gradually to kind of almost splits in the camp because the forwards started to get irritated they were, they were given no real instructions to play yeah and then there was a bit apparently there was a little bit of kind of tension between defensive players forward players were you're not carrying your weight well hang on we're not being given any instructions away so I think the chemistry of the squad was wrong. And that's fed into why they they started to plummet and ultimately why I think the club um, wanted to make the change beyond, as, uh, as Ed has written about, they're possibly the most analytics-led be- uh, team or led club in the league. And all of their analytics suggested that th- this team was bad. Yeah, I
2: mean, there, there are some the numbers that suggest they should have finished 18th, actually. The, you know, if mm. you're looking at the, the luck table, as I called it, Man City actually should have got six points more than they did. And then Liverpool overperformed, um, yeah. so actually the, the the tiny gap between them in the end was kind of smaller than it should have been. Uh, but Brighton apparently should have been eighteen. So considering they're a, t- uh, a club that looks at that sort of data, like that's yeah. the sort of thing that's going to get you sacked. Nothing. else. Totally.
4: Yeah, they came thirty-six. They got thirty-six points. That's a really bad season. Yeah, it's a bad. They tour. finished yeah, two yeah, points
1: yeah. ahead of Cardiff. I mean, they're, um, they're
4: basically lucky that Cardiff are a Championship club. Yeah. Huddersfield are barely a Championship club. but Who. who, who Wagner had overachieved so much to get them in the Premier League, and Fulham just had a shambles.
1: Yeah, and there were some people complaining that it was like classless to have done it the morning after the season finished. But surely that's the best possible yeah. time to do it. Other like, sports all do that. You need like, to give yourself as much time as possible to get the new guy in. Yeah,
3: I think we get really um, in this country, we get really sort of sentimentally attached to managers in a way that they just don't in other countries. Totally. Uh, I think this is partly because uh the media and has always had a historic you know historically close relationship with with managers going back decades but i think owners sporting directors generally see them as quite disposable these days and and to to a large extent that's how coaches tend to see themselves as well
4: yeah
1: yeah i completely agree um should we do our team of the year so we basically on our on independent.co.uk you can read our awards of the year uh in which all of our writers have chosen the, you know, what they think are the best goals, players and so on, in the Premier League this season. Uh, we've all done a team of the year. Uh, we've also got a, a one which kind of aggregates those results together. Why don't we go around in a big circle and nice. talk through it? Okay. Uh, in goal, Johnny? Etheridge, Neil Etheridge.
3: Why? Uh, he had, I, th- I think if you look at the numbers, the underlying numbers, it was him and, and Fabianski who basically added most value to their teams, out of, out of all the goalkeepers, uh, not to deny any of, you know, Edison or Allison and you know, the incredible seasons they had, but in terms of a decisive, a goalkeeper who really was the difference between getting totally relegated and only slightly relegated, uh, Etheridge had a, had a big influence on that.
4: Edison, for me, uh, contributes to City's play so much, um, facilitates so much, and uh, I think is a Oh God! I'm gonna get killed for this. He's a better goalkeeper than Allison in terms of he made fewer errors this season. Yeah. I I think he's more reliable. Uh, I'd probably have Allison, but I don't have a strong opinion on it. To be honest.
1: Do you think that we can a team like this can afford to have Etheridge in goal? Do you think he's not used to playing in front of <laughs> behind <laughs> the defenders that he's playing behind Sol Bamba? Well, who who are they playing against? Uh, like uh, the, the combined eleven from La Liga,
2: like Galaxy or something a bit like Space Jam. Yeah. Like aliens and stuff. The best
4: team from the Bundesliga.
3: Yeah, I mean, if he, if he's going to have to do a lot of passing about with his feet, then he might struggle. But um, th- is this is isn't going to happen.
2: It's so a Don't say keeper. it now. <laughs> there's, always a gra- there's
1: always a great keeper at
2: the bottom
4: It, it the might table, happen. It? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not with that attitude, it won't, Johnny. We are playing <laughs> 4 uh, are we? Yeah, I think we have oh, to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: I think we're going to have a bit more unanimity with the defenders. Yeah. Uh, Robertson? Yeah, oh, I we went I, right back I, sure I think we all we all went right left back. I'm left-handed. I said so left back is weird. Yeah, we, no, no, like, we all yeah, went, yeah, went handed. So, Alex, so Okay, we're going to start right back. I think
3: we went Alexander-Arnold. No, did we? It has to be Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. Alexander-Arnold, Alexander right? Arnold, Van Dyke,
1: Laporte and Robertson. Can anybody dispute any of those four people on so that? Somebody went wan
2: Wambsaker.
3: Alexander-Arnold, yeah. uh Van Dyke, Laporte, Robertson. Yeah,
2: that's me. I mean, I would probably have the same. I think Wambsaker had a great season, but Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. I mean, I'm taking in all competitions here. Uh, I don't know if that needed to be said, but, like, including the Champions League. Juan right. Bissaka's been awesome. Uh, sorry, uh, Alexander-Arnold's been awesome in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, like, which is a really high level of football, and I think that just shows you that he is a top, top yeah. quality player. Juan uh, Bissaka's had a great season in the Premier League, but, um, you know, he's only demonstrated that against, like, the top six here and not necessarily yeah. against Barcelona and, and teams like that.
1: And also, like, well, Alexander-Arnold plays in a kind of unique way. Like, I can't remember seeing... I can't remember seeing an English well, fullback spend that much he, time in the opposition He broke the half. record
2: for most assists by a, full yeah. by a defender in a Premier League season. And then on the tied for second most in history is uh, Robertson on the other side. So this, this Liverpool yeah. team, actually the fullbacks are uh, an enormous attacking threat, like more than any other team we've seen but in Premier good League good,
4: history. Um, actually, it's not a Champions League final idea, especially given that initially, <laughs> I think there's a change a bit. When fullbacks were really important, to Pacha's team in 2015-16, yeah. but that's evolved a bit. Whereas now they're actually...
3: His worst players. And I know, I know, I know that
4: they're <laughs> crucial to how Liverpool play. Yeah.
3: Alexander-Arnold is the player I think we all thought Trippier might become with a few more years' development and is now the player
1: Trippier probably wishes he was.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I completely agree. Yeah, tw- yeah, 25 assists between those 2 fullbacks You
1: can't really argue with that. I think. Um, okay, that was boringly unanimous. Okay. Uh, let's get stuck into midfield. Uh, Who have you got as your midfield three? I, th- I think I had F-
3: Fernandinho hang on somebody else do it and it's probably the same i think i think mine no. was Fern- oh no i went fernandinho uh i know i can't remember
4: i, I went fernandinho matinho and bernardo silva i actually found this a bit more difficult to pick i dropped henderson at one point dropped neves controversially in the whatsapp group um yeah, Miguel, I, I, Miguel
1: initially put in Neves despite not having seen Wolves play all season. I, I, was I, I, I a, was live a cool Wolfs, pick.
4: saw them live once. They,
1: they were on in the pub when we were, like they were playing United when uh, we
2: stuff. were in. Were in.
4: Yeah.
1: It's kind of the uh, the, 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 the totally football show pick. With yeah. Neves. <laughs> uh, I know, I'll are tell you who I went are
2: for. Are calling out other podcasts? Yeah. I went. Yeah. Yeah. Starting <laughs> podcast beef. I mean, they've already got enough beef. No more Mr. Nice pods. Fernandy. I went for
3: numbers as well. I mean, Bernardo and Pogba.
4: Pogba? Pogba. Wanker. I mean, that's that, that's
2: uh, word, yeah, it. it's in now. There's it's a okay. lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to edit out already. am <laughs> not doing that. <laughs> me or Pogba? You?
3: Why? You it's you an opinion. You picked the wrong <laughs> choice. You picked fucking Ruben Neves, mate.
4: Good player. Better he's done better than Pogba. Well, Pogba had two months, and, uh, and has has basically through his individual influence has helped erode the United team. So there's a lot of blame to go around the United, but there is some to go at.
3: Pogba, Neves smacked one in about week two, maybe even the first week. Smacked one from about twenty-five yards. Everybody put him in, put him in, in their fantasy team, and then and thus sort mm-hmm. kind of cemented the opinion that he was a great player. Actually, I think
4: he gets a lot of pre-assists. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm.
3: Are, are you counting?
1: Sorry, are you counting the pre-assists? No. Uh, um, Pogba uh,
3: got great numbers, uh, goals and assists uh, in a really bad team that was not playing to his. You'd have
2: Pogba over McTominay, McSauce. Oh, McSauce.
1: Uh I, th- I think just about yeah what um that's a really interesting a really bold choice yeah uh it's interesting that bernardo silva we got bernardo silva in midfield because he has actually been spent yeah, most of yeah. the season playing out on the right for city but i think you have for the sake of getting three forwards in, you've got to have bernie in midfield yeah. i went for bernardo fernandinho and henderson henderson's that's hard to all pretty good it's even henderson
4: i think he's he's been brilliant the last few months as he's kind of maybe played in a in a role that's more natural to him uh, he was g- whereas he was just good earlier in the season if you know what i mean yeah he's
1: better in that attacking role than he yeah. is holding would
4: it be
2: crazy to have musa soko in there yeah okay <laughs> no. i i think he's had a really good
1: season no right? it's not crazy to have you musa soko in
2: there he's been it has been brilliant since about october
1: has he been i don't think i think he's been in my opinion brilliant by musa soko standards yeah. rather than by like he's uh, Bernardo no, he he's, he's carried that spurs midfield through admittedly
2: quite a poor run but because if you look at that spurs midfield like who who's been good there and then you actually look at through the names you think sissoko has been <laughs> it's, probably it's, the best it's option. been
4: a very impressive individual story and in that this is a player who was a, uh, yeah. basically a joke and they he, tried to sell yeah
2: talked about as like the one of the worst spurs signings ever yeah. if not the worst 30
1: million
4: whatever it was also not a good champions league idea yeah, yeah. well
1: that's going to be part of a bigger piece that yeah, day yeah. hold on. Um, okay, so we haven't really agreed in midfield at all, but I can't be bothered to keep going over did we, it.
4: What did we decide for the unanimous overall team? What did Luke put there? Uh,
1: so we've got Fernandinho, Bernardo Silva and Moutinho. Yep. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Because, um, uh, yeah, Moutinho's been great all year. Yeah. Uh, and then as a front three, are we going to have any departures from Sterling, Aguero and Mane? San, for, for me, Salah has to be in there. Uh, maybe Salah ahead of Mane. But yeah.
4: Be, yeah it it's much of a much fun as well. Point. I, I, it, it c- no, I think like it's song. pretty fitting that the so, it's so, so so Salah so it has died a little bit in the league in the last 10 yeah. games.
2: Well, these things are terrible when they're dominated by like two teams whatever but the whole story <laughs> of the, the Premier that, League but. this season <laughs> the story of the Premier League this season has been that it's been dominated by two teams. It's, so yeah. I don't really mind it so much.
4: It reflects it, the Premier well, League. Actually in that sense what teams could be not just not just their league position what clubs can be happy with the performance this season relative because like, even because even Chelsea obviously they've objective or you know in a detached sense done well they finished third but yet no one's no one feels happy and like they've only gonna got there by default. Right. It's basically just if we're doing this can, can we
1: come on to this as like okay. we we'll, oh, we'll, let me finish we'll the team this in the we'll go, section we'll go literally go from the bottom to
4: the top okay. and yeah. uh, uh, why don't you
1: ball.
2: why don't you talk? What are you doing? Go, go on No I uh, go for the forwards.
1: Yeah uh, st- what who did you have as your front three? I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> 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 no I think uh, I had
3: mana man mana manet Mane, Aguero and, and Sterling. I like yeah. Son too, but over that a, was the over, agreement of the overall yeah, team. Yeah, over a thirty-eight team
4: season. Had Salah, Sterling, and someone else. Okay. Cool. Um, all
1: right. Now, if you thought that section was well structured <laughs> and disciplined <laughs> and tight, you are going to love you are going to love this section because we're going to do it all over again, but without players from the big six. Here we go. So we've got we're we're now going to do a bottom fourteen team of the season, the real Premier League, uh, which I actually had some fun doing earlier. Uh, again, we're going to sit with four-three-three. I don't know if anybody's done any research for this. It's, this was this was the homework, as agreed on WhatsApp last night. Uh, so, in that, I have Lucas Fabianski.
3: Yeah, yeah, strong choice. I mean, I'm, I'm going with, with my boy Neil Etheridge again. Yeah. I've gone for Etheridge.
1: I think Fabianski's had a great season, yeah. but uh, he's been like Etheridge has had more work. Fabianski's been like West Ham's probably best signing in the last sort of five years. Um, yep. He's been really, really good. Yeah. Uh, now, it's back four, there's a lot of fun to be had here. Yeah, uh, I've gone four. Aaron Wambasaka, Nathan Aki, Michael Keane, who I'm not sure about, as you can tell from my voice, and Lucas Dean. Yeah.
4: I mean, no, no, no real issue. Dean? He's had a good season. He's had a good Wan-Bissaka, season. Wan-Bissaka, obviously. Who's Ch- your Chilwell, you can have?
1: Uh, Tarkovsky?
3: Well, I've got uh, Wambisaka, Bolly, uh, Tarkovsky, and Chilwell.
4: Yeah, I've got Bolly as well. Yeah, I've, I've gone for Doherty, not Doherty. Doherty. Sorry, is so- it? Doherty. So you don't say the C? No, you don't. No. Is, is, is that Catholic or Protestant? No, it it doesn't matter the Doherty. Okay. Doherty like the, the, the snooker guy. Yeah. Doherty, Doherty. can't maybe, like. maybe I've gone for Shane Duffy. Duffy. Big Shane. Or Brighton's played this season. I- Irish, Irish Byers. Yeah, for Bolly. Gareth are all
3: these going to be about war.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've gone for Bolly. And I have gone for Chilwell. So
2: uh, yeah, I mean mine mine is Wan-Bissaka obviously. Um, I think Bolly should be in there like w- Wolves have been a, a great team. I think you, there's an argument you could have w- maybe Bolly and Cody. Um I think it was Cody the only player who's played every minute of every game in every competition for an English team. This I season. don't know. Uh, I, don't I believe don't know. he is. Um, and then left back, no strong feelings. I think Digne is probably going to take it because he scored a few ex- spectacular goals as yeah. well. Uh, do you see the the Times actually did a really interesting thing where it was the ten most like unlikely goals of the season, and it was based on like the XG on like how hard yeah. they were, and they had a video for each one. Um, and Digne's oh, cool. got like third and fourth oh, on wow. that. So. Um, He's, he scored spectacular goals, but he's uh, unsurprisingly for a guy you bought from Barcelona. A good left back.
1: Yeah. In um, midfield, I've gone for, changed my mind, I've gone for like the maximum sexy option of <laughs> Andre Gomez, Jean Moutinho Ooh. and James Madison. Yeah, okay,
4: that's good. We're that's not good.
1: we're not going to win the ball back, but when we've got it, we're going to keep yeah. and it. Andre Go- Gomez, Jean Moutinho, Jean Moutinho, James Madison.
2: Okay.
1: No, oh. A bit soft. You, exactly. You, you could have Decore if you wanted to strengthen it up. Mm. I've i g- I've gone for
3: Declan Rice, yeah. Decore oh. and Jota.
4: I've gone for Indeidi, Matinho and DeCore. DeCore uh, is a, a s- 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 unbelievably good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: really he's, really, ridiculous, he's ridiculous. Better players. than Pugba. Mine, mine possibly, was, yeah. <laughs> mine was a lot more solid. Mine was uh, DeCore Milovoic and then Madison. Yeah.
1: Why why uh, would you have two holding? That's so boring.
2: Well, because my team's quite attacking. Yeah, I've got full-backs bombing on. I've got a very attacking front three. Milivojevic scores goals. I mean, he scores... Pans. How oh. many
1: non-penalty goals does he get? Uh, he scored several. It, the one against
2: Leicester from about 35 yards is the one I was thinking of. This uh, is
3: always the, the the problem with these kind of composite team of the year, like the PFA team of the year, divisional. Mm-hmm. They are always... Well, until very recently, they were 4-4-2, and they're always packed with attacking midfielders. And, yeah. and you know, Cristiano Ronaldo on the right wing, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is which is why uh England always used to get uh, the floor, you know, the, the teams always used to wipe the floor with them at continental level. Because yeah, they totally. were playing four four two with four attacking midfielders.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's very true. Um now front three, uh I've gone for uh hotter Jimenez and Zaha. I wanted to keep the hotter Jimenez combo. Mm. Uh, but then I also wanted like someone else quick running behind. That's why I've gone for Zaha. God, you put a lot more thought into this than than I have. I put a good ten minutes of thought into it. Yeah, wow. I watched him
2: do it. He, he cares. He's he been four, four minutes of it. Minute. Yeah, right. but the, three. The
1: yeah. key is because I, I'm expecting this team to be 2-0 down at time. At time, I'm going to hook Zaha and I'm going to put on big Salomon Rondon. And the second <laughs> half is going to be long balls to Jimenez and Rondon to the big, the big lad, big lad combo. Uh, and it's going it's it's not gonna be pretty and it's probably not gonna get, get results. And I've always got the option of Chris Wood as a third big lad. Who who are this who are they stop playing?
3: Are they playing like, you know,
1: the, the a composite team from like Valencia and
2: Yeah, you know, Valencia and Levante yeah. and yeah. Levante We right.
1: would destroy them. Well by the end when I've got Jimenez Rondon and Chris Wood up front. <laughs> and, <laughs> they like just, up and they don't like it up. They certainly don't. The 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 Leganes and the Alcorcon guys, yeah. They're not having it. Uh, it's just gonna be absolutely brutal it's gonna be nineteenth century football.
3: I've uh, gone Jimenez, uh Felipe Anderson, Fraser.
4: I've gone for uh, Zaha, Vardy,
2: and Hotter. Uh, I've gone Zaha, Vardy, Fraser. Uh,
1: Vardy's quite good. Right, Maybe we should have had he's him. Very good.
2: I think he's he's a very good player. Fraser's had an unbelievable season, um, and then Zaha has had an unbelievable season as well. Like, yeah, this is um. It's, I think it's tough to choose the centre forward more than the wingers on this one.
3: Yeah, yeah. Callum yeah. Wilson also a good Callum Wilson, yeah, yeah. Who have you got to manager? What? Oh, from the bottom fourteen. Yeah. Warnock. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> For banter. For banter, yeah. Uh, um, I was going to say Santo uh, or Nuno or, or whatever. I suppose so, yeah. There's well, only one option. Who
2: the biggest overachievers? Rafa. It has to be Rafa. Oh, it's yeah. got to be Rafa, no, yeah. It's got to be Rafa. Yeah. Yeah. We said no, at the start no, of the year a no. championship squad and he's finished on 45 yeah. points. Yeah. Yeah. So it's oh, not uh, even I close got, to relegation.
4: Uh, okay. I believe the line was the greatest disparity between the manager's quality and the squad's quality. That was your line, yes. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what he's done with that, a, a squad that is, he's actually improved players, which is, like as we say, the holy grail of coaching and a really an un- underrated skill. Great manager, great man.
1: Yeah, great dog. I hope he's still there next year. <laughs> would he be, was, is he like a plausible shot as manager of the season? I mean, we had, yeah. our our votes were quite split for manager of the season between Pochettino, Klopp and Guardiola. Mine's definitely Guardiola. Yeah, but outside the top six, I think yeah. I think so, yeah.
4: Do we, do we think he'd got to Celtic? Uh,
1: I don't know.
3: Hey, Rafa? Th- no, th- no. It
4: hasn't it has <laughs> been <laughs> shut down yet, to be fair. It's still kind of bubbling. I don't think he would, but I do think the adulation would appeal to him.
3: Surely the time for Celtic to get um, Rafa is when Mourinho's come in and made a, made a huge mess right. of it and, and, uh, and, and clean everyone out.
2: I mean, the cult following, like, you know, he would like have a cult following yeah, at yeah. Celtic, like he did at Liverpool, like he does at Newcastle. Um, I think, I think Rafa could get most Premier League jobs outside, the, or you could get any Premier League job outside mm. the top is, six. Is he still a
4: top six manager?
2: Which club would it be? Arsenal. Oh, I mean, Arsenal. Didn't you write that piece that Arsenal should go for Rafa? Yeah,
1: I think so. I th- but I think he could, I don't think he's like a top three manager, yeah. but I think he's like a four to six manager. Well,
4: I, I think the, his approach is now just slightly behind the times. Less, less less so compared to Mourinho, but it's still a bit mid-2000s, whereas now, uh,
1: yeah,
3: uh, but, he, but he's still very effective. Will any top six club ever appoint a manager who, who doesn't play like, really attractive appealing football i'm not sure
4: no o- only if man they, united they kind it. of they kind of demand it now only if they get into a desperate situation you yeah. have to be
1: so desperate but even if you are in a desperate situation like it still makes more sense to take the bad season yeah. get the right guy with a sort of three-year view rather than get in the firefighter what's network? the
2: sort of highest level club you could see rapidly as going to after newcastle
1: arsenal like a interim
2: you know, like, do you not think like any of the, like, the Bundesliga top clubs would, would take him he's like a
1: conceivable like if if, a like a Bayern, coaches, though, if Bayern are rubbish at Christmas and need someone for six months that sort of thing yeah. I could yeah. see him doing he seems to
4: love England though
1: yeah he does I think he's he's certainly one of the few managers who has proved himself at both ends of the Premier League table yeah. I think the only other person I can think of who's done that in the last sort of 15 years is Redknapp, Yeah. who obviously coming forth as Spurs and also keeping Pompey yeah. Moise, I, I Moise? I, I Pochettino I,
2: I as Moy
1: as Moy's
4: proved, yeah. Yeah, actually, I mean it, that's the thing. It, uh, for me, there's basically only four or five clubs, or four or five managers, I suppose, in that sense that could be kind of feel they've overperformed this season. If you know what I mean. I think one yeah. of them is Rafa, one of them was Pep, one of them is Klopp, one of them was Poch because of the Champions League. Aston Huddle, yeah. Huddle, yeah.
3: Um, Warnock has overachieved. Yeah, Warnock really has. has. Yeah, given 34 points to get them so close to safety, safety. safety. Yeah. Yeah. with a squad and like I hate that. saying that yeah Why?
2: and also I mean let's be honest, like <laughs> wow. untold tragedy as well
3: yeah you know
2: yeah. which feels like forever ago now but uh, you know they signed a player who they thought was going to be their saviour and he, and he died yeah. in tragic tragic circumstances like that's a a wild thing to happen to a football club mm. you know there are things that are far more important than relegation obviously but uh, yeah, w- one of, with that squad I think got
1: way more points than yeah. I ever would have expected yeah. Yeah. I think these the, the, about, these, them, com- sorry. These, sorry, these conversations about um, about like who is the best manager, they what they really reveal is how the financial stratification in the Premier League makes these evaluations really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Because the job that every manager is doing is like it's impossible to evaluate independent yeah. of. Which strata, which financial strata their team happens to sit in? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. even saying who's done the best job out of Pep, Klopp, and Pochettino is difficult in the sense that those three guys are doing completely different jobs because of mm. the different yeah. amounts of money that they and have. Poch hates talking about that. Yeah. Do you want to do, you wanna <laughs> do uh, what Migs was suggesting? Just whip
2: through the Premier League table and say whether a team overachieved or underachieved on expectations. Uh, Can we do it in twenty seconds. Only we do yeah. it really, really yeah. quickly. Yeah. Huddersfield sixteen points.
4: Uh, well they are. That's they are a Championship club. So I mean they're kind of. Level,
2: I'd say. Okay, Fulham twenty six points underachieved. Yeah, Cardiff thirty four points overachieved. Yeah, overachieved. Brighton thirty six, uh, under uh, par. Par. Uh, yeah. Southampton thirty nine. Uh, it's, it's hard to judge that, as a whole because they have two different managers.
4: That's split. The first manager underachieved. The second manager overachieved. Burnley
2: forty. Par. par. Bournemouth forty five. Par. Newcastle forty five. Overachieved. 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 Palace forty nine the uh, boss probably just about overachieved. yeah mild overachievement but nothing special watford 50 overachieved west yeah, ham 52 uh, or slightly uh, uh, underachieved leicester 52.
4: Ever- I mean,
3: do you think it's fair to say that most of the most of the, the good teams overachieved and most of the, the the bad teams you know underachieved this season
2: well no because uh, no. who are the good teams like man united the ones who overachieved sick <laughs> But, uh, well, yeah, but then you go to divide. It. So you're saying that, suddenly saying that Cardiff are a good team. But, but it,
3: I not think I mean, the interesting thing is like how much this is a game of expectations. So, for example, if you take Cardiff, if maybe people hadn't been going on about how what a terrible team there was, maybe there was kind of a. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have surprised people so much, but may- maybe they were actually just better than we all thought they were at the start of the season. It's really interesting this this kind of idea of expectation management. What what is realistic for say like a you know a Norwich fan next season? What's realistic for them to expect? Yeah. I think that that goes a long way to determining whether a club has been successful or not. But don't do what Fulham did. Don't do what Fulham did.
1: Yeah, that, that, Fulham is a fantastic example of very bad expectation management, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Um total inflation. You know, people are talking
2: about them for the top half at the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, a lot of lots money. lots of
1: people in this room. Yeah. Lots of mm-hmm. people on this podcast. Oh god, yeah. Be, yeah. 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 My dark horses. Yeah. yeah, I think I think they were I think I said that they'd have a great season. So it shows what I know. Um so let's move on to moment of the season. Uh what have you got what have you got? I uh, I went for Companies Vincent
3: Companies, not his goal, but his tackle. On Mo Salah during the City Liverpool game uh, back in January, um, and you know because while we can talk about moments as being you know goals or saves or whatever, I think that was almost as crucial a moment as any of those. I I, I don't know if people remember this, but basically Salah was through on goal, and Company realizes he's not going to get anywhere close to him, and just kind of basically steams in, two footed yeah. off the well, off certainly off the ground, takes him out about forty yards. Uh, goal I don't I'm not sure he even gets booked.
4: No, I don't think he did actually. I don't think he even
3: gets booked. Um and if you if he'd been sent off, you can or Salah had gone through on goal on scored and scored, you could basically say the
1: title race would have gone
3: very differently. Yeah. Yeah that's true.
1: And you can say that of the um th- I, th- this is Mark Quitchley's moment in the season, yeah. the amazing John Stone smacking the ball into Edison. Mm. and then like chasing backwards and clearing it when it's like 10 millimeters away from yeah. crossing the line fully. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. Which was
4: an absolute yeah. look such a good shot of uh, Also wait, Mares is like I mean that could have been such a massive moment as If yeah, Liverpool the penalty. won the title no I probably yeah. would have
2: put that. Yeah. I think. I
4: went for company's goal by the way. Same here. I mean it was there like the like just the the epic moment about all that tension.
1: Yeah, I actually went for I wasn't there at any of those so I went for um Salah's winner at Southampton in april yeah. where there were like 10 minutes left it was one all and liverpool were playing really badly yeah uh and then stanley gets the ball in halfway and just sprints down the end of the pitch and then smacks it in the bottom corner and yeah. the whole away and explodes it was uh, incredible
4: uh, there are about like i think five six seven moments that basically where you can kind of they're, they're not all they're not individually this way the title was won, but they all up to like key pretty key moments that, uh obviously at city liverpool game um i think Liverpool Leicester was massive because, from what everyone says in the city, like the city, they all thought the season was gone after the Newcastle yeah. defeat, and they got a massive reprieve. And then in the space of six games, Liverpool play like that nil-all draw with Everton when they look when Salah looked really nervous. Yeah, um, the Pickford
1: save. Yeah, I,
4: yeah. Mean, I mean, this is a little bit of a thing, but obviously, the only conclusion of the season at Liverpool have been have been excellent and massively overachieved, yet. I still can't get away from that feeling that they had the chance to kill City and they froze a bit.
1: Yeah, those four draws. Do you think that that was like a function of psychology or was it just kind of the variability of performance?
4: I I think because it was a bit like they were kind of running along nicely, you know, kind of thinking. They kept winning and winning and winning. They're in a really good rhythm. And then suddenly the rhythm slightly changes because there's that opportunity to really seize it, to kill it and in a situation that team had never been in together before and i think that does inform it uh like they were really nervous against ne- Leicester, i thought um and then i i think and i think it's instructive actually that they got through that spell went behind again and then almost corrected themselves uh and I, th- I don't think that's a damning thing i think they like they'll they learn from it um but yeah yeah and also sorry i meant that the uh, the win against tottenham uh after they got knocked out of champions league i think that was absolutely huge
1: Oh, city the 1-0 yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. City didn't play well that game. No, yeah. Spurs should was, have scored four goals. in it the It was first really half. nervous.
3: I couldn't. I couldn't believe how nervous it was. But City were really terrified of conceding yeah. to a
1: Spurs team that had done nothing to them, really. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, what I kind of want to look back on at the season is, you know, in in in, a, in an obvious way, it was a great season, uh, having two fantastic teams. But do you think it was? Do you think it was a good season? Do you think it was? it was a bad season it was a bad season I, th- I think it was a bad season yeah you
3: got yeah. two incredible teams ten teams who were really bad everybody else got kind of a fighting over nothing yeah uh, and Mike Dean tedious arguments about bottle and racism
4: yeah there wasn't enough drama in the title race I think that is crude yeah. and that's the problem it's, it's a bit like uh, we were saying this off air but like snooker in that sense that the, like when you have when you have misses and there's flaws it creates more drama because people have to respond to things yeah. and it's about how they emotionally respond, how they can do it. Whereas th- th- there was only some brief spikes of drama in the running and that was... T- most of those were actually involved in Liverpool games. Um, briefly, I'd say City against Bournemouth, then Liverpool against Newcastle, the, late, the nature like game, the late winner. That, w- that was a great title race game. So was Leicester City, to be fair. And then for about 20 minutes the uh the final day but that, w- that was about it whereas if you compare it to race like ninety eight, ninety nine, like 2013 14 um like 95 96 mm-hmm. even there was, there was more kind of if you if you're imagining a kind of uh, a graph the spikes yeah. of drama go up and down so much more
1: and do you, like fundamentally do you think that do you think 98 98 points versus 97 points is healthy
4: no it's not, it's not good because because that's i mean well,
1: the the health of the
4: league is actually
2: one of the main things, isn't it? You know, last season we complained about the, the big gap between the top six mm. and the rest yeah. of the team, and it it's still there. Yeah, it, It's going to get bigger. Uh, you know, th- this is going to happen. There was a, an incredible uh, stat about kind of the results of the rest of the league against the top yeah. six and stuff this year, and it's it's going to get wider as a gap and the added problem was we had no drama in the relegation battle we had no drama in the chase for the top 4 which often can be a significant mm-hmm. thing we had no real drama in the chase for the top 6 even and we had no in the end drama on the title race for the last 2 months so it's kind of you know people want drama and twist we had some great football um there were some great moments mm-hmm. but i think it just lacked any sort of uh, crescendo if you if you got a 380 gate 380 game season
3: uh where the kind of the whole tension of the season rests on maybe thirty or forty results that are up for grabs, and and the rest are either foregone conclusions or kind of irrelevant.
4: You have not got a healthy league. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. The, the one thing I mean, obviously the massive economic stratification league is a huge problem. Yeah. The one slight thing I'd say is that, and it actually it's most evident, wasn't City, who are the kind of most lavish football pro- project in history. But I would say maybe the extent of the points this year is partly down to Pep Guardiola maximizing what City have and just the nature of the race. I do think they kind of they pushed each other on in a way that wouldn't always happen.
1: Yeah, but I do I mean I want to pick up on what Ed said earlier which was that this idea that City performed basically close to par. Yeah. whereas Liverpool basically overachieved by about 10 points and the the fact that you know if you run this season 100 if you run the season 100 times yeah. it would only be close a small number of those times. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And uh like I remember this time last year we were talking about have City broken football by getting a hundred yeah. points. And I know that some people will say, well, maybe they haven't, because this year we had a close title mm. race. I kinda don't agree with that. Like I think that the likeliest outcome from this season would have been City walking it again. Yeah. And that's probably City will probably get between ninety five and a hundred points again next year.
4: also what really sums that up, if you, I mean, if you kinda of stand back from this, what is actually quite damning of Cities of the the situation we're in, City achieved ninety eight points. So uh, and this is this is despite Kevin De Bruyne and their best player missing most of the season. Yeah. That 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 made a two point dent yeah. in their overall. And also their main signing from last summer, a sixty million signing. For anyone else, that's, that's a squad transforming signing. He made fourteen starts. Mares. Yeah. I mean, that, that is like when like those, those two facts alone are actually quite that 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 is a worry.
3: This is why I'm I'm loath to be too critical of Liverpool. I mean, they yeah. they turned. I mean, everybody talks about th- the draws that they should mm-hmm. have won. They turned so many more draws into wins right. than wins that should have been draws.
4: That, I do agree with that, and again, I would say the overall conclusion can only be that Liverpool were absolutely brilliant. And yeah, just because I, I, I don't think they'll be completely blameless because I suppose the context and development of the season kind of changes the situation. And I do think in those games they had City on the rack and they didn't take it. And I think that I think I you, you say this people connect to people connected Liverpool, Liverpool fans are kind of no, you you. you you can't you can't blame us for this whereas I think there's an element to that they don't want to have regrets about the season but I think there can be a slight regret there. do you think
3: they can get 97 points again next season
4: I don't think they'll have as many elements going their way and yet I mean what is even more amazing about cop has done I think there's clear room for improving that squad particularly in the midfield is makeshift
2: well, Liverpool, there is talk. They might not have much money to spend yeah, this summer. So that, yeah. mm-hmm. But but City, you know, if City had Rodri and a couple of other mm. choice additions, then you could easily see City breaking 100 again. Mm. I, I just want to call attention to one thing and just to what kind of going into next season is the financial health of the Premier League. You know, we're seeing in the EFL, which I think Miguel's doing a big piece on for next week or the week yeah. after, about the the clubs that are struggling there. The kind of the rest of the league outside the top six are not as healthy as we thought as not as the kind of the, the the wages and the salaries and the fees and stuff have caught up with the rise in television income mm. and the television income is likely to not increase that much more uh, from where we are now so you see mid-table clubs making losses of, yeah. of 20 30 million which well, is the start of a problem
4: for, for the piece I was doing this the next week and this is basically the idea whether the domination of the kind of the most fashionable clubs means football can survive in its current form but palios was making the argument that for all the talk about, like I spoke to Mark Pollard, the former who used to be with the FA, obviously who's now Tranmere. For all the talk about, kind of you know trickle down economics and all this, what the amount of money at the top end is doing is actually really stretching football out because it does ultimately it, it creates this drag that everyone tries to keep up with, mm-hmm. and eventually, and and it's basically. A, I mean, for the past decade or so, FFP and regulations have meant we haven't seen clubs go bust, but that is now st- as we've seen lower down the divisions. That's starting to be tested because inevitably this this is unsustainable.
3: Bolton are, are setting up food banks yeah. for their staff that haven't yeah. that haven't been paid.
4: And, and, that, and it's amazing so many clubs in that northwest northwest pocket in particular are struggling. Yeah, the, the the football is just kind of
3: sort of grotesque when you when you think about things like that. I mean, uh, everybody loves the spectacle, but the the inequalities yeah. are, are kind of disgusting.
2: You wrote about it the other day in terms of the. Um, European competitions, you know the idea of breaking away and stuff, and and it's you know as in society the the richest mm-hmm. try and suggest that this oh, trickle down stuff is going to work, you know tr- everything will trickle down, everything will trickle down. No, it, like it doesn't trickle down because in society the billionaires stash their money offshore and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't find its way down to the people who need it at the bottom, and in football it all ends up in the pockets of agents and kind of extra footballing activities which mm. which, which doesn't help they, d- they just don't help the people at the bottom so you know i think you're right it's kind of stretching the top end are getting higher you know they're stretching the limits at the top of what football can do with money but that's not happening at the bottom the people at the bottom are chasing trying to keep up and there's just not the funding there it just doesn't exist
3: the way it gets justified in football i think is because the standard of football is is so high at the, at the very top end the argument is that it's it, it the spectacle kind of justifies yeah. the, the the sort of the warping of the, of the game that's, that, that's that's gone into making yeah. that happen, and I don't I don't really see how that dynamic changes because people love seeing yeah. you know Messi's you know Messi's
4: Barcelona and, and you know people love seeing Pep City. The product is far too persuasive to make people think about anything underneath because uh, because as much as I, mean, I we sum it up in terms of the way we cover football, as much as we want the health of the game, that you ultimately we have to cover. And spend so much time on the top end because it's just so this is so brilliant, so good to watch. We can't turn our turn our eyes away from it, basically.
3: Yeah. Which is basically how um how the, the church used to to maintain its grip on society. Yep. Because it had really great art.
4: And
1: buildings. Cool. I think that's a really good way to end, end the podcast. Uh thank you very much, listeners. Uh thank you, Johnny and Miguel. And thank you, Ed. Yeah,
2: thanks, Ed. Oh, thank you for uh thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, everyone who currently subscribes. I'd say the peak of the peak of the podcast for me was probably when we we're doing those every night at the World Cup yeah, it was, it was cool. certainly the hardest to do and we we're doing like editing together like 25 audio files from those like kind of masquerading phone calls on, we on, were the, on the sofa in Moscow on the four sofa and four in the morning uh, in <laughs> Um but uh, obviously I've loved every minute of it so uh, thanks for listening thanks for subscribing and ensure you continue
1: to do so cool big thank you to producers Matt and Amanda and uh, we will be back with another podcast next week thank
4: you yeah